a much earlier show for today. It might be out before midnight. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do it a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it, and all of this is presented by Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Give them a try. Check them out. I promise they will not disappoint. Um, yeah, I, I'm. This is uh, a Friday edition of Big Sky Sports Talk. As you guys know, that uh, when I can and when I'm not exhausted from doing this and work and everything else I do, I usually kind of record a. Um, you know, around I to to be honest, I usually try to get recording by ten thirty, eleven o'clock, and because I know how long majority of my shows are and how long the process is, um, it goes into you know into midnight. Uh, if I start at midnight, I'm going until you know one thirty, uh, almost two o'clock in the morning, somewhere in there, depending on how long the show is. If it's a three hour show, then. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting into it pretty late, but it is still uh, Thursday. But uh, for me, for you, um, like I said, well, depending on when I get this done for you, it actually might be Thursday as well. But most of you guys won't be listening until actual Friday anyway, because it, like I said, it's late. Like even if I got this done within the next thirty minutes, would would put me at ten thirty my time. Uh, the Alabama folks that you know, listen, it's it'll be eleven thirty. You guys are already in bed, getting ready for the work. So, you know, I guess I said all this. Say, you know, this is still a ten, uh, that's still a uh, Friday edition of the of the show, and you're listening Friday, even though I might have it done and ready before Friday actually hits. Let's, you know, I said all that to say that pretty much, uh, and, and I'm pretty jacked up about it, like. Uh, everything that I want to talk about is is ready. I got everything I need for the show. Got a little Diamondbacks. Got some Cardinals and uh, ASU from practice uh, yesterday, and um, I'm I'm ready to go. So a happy Friday to you. I buried the lead there. I hope you're doing well. And another another weekend is right upon us. Um, and I, I've, I hope the week has been good to you like it has to me. Um, it, it's been a pretty, pretty good week actually. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I did not get out on the roads, uh, via Uber and Lyft as long as I would have liked to yesterday. Um, but I, I made a lot, um, some decent money pretty quickly, like in three trips I made, about 75 bucks in, in three trips between a um, $5 trip that I still haven't gotten a tip from. I don't know if I will. Um, I don't really expect them, but, you know, they just might not have done so. Um, and then I made a um, little over 60 on on Lyft. So 
um, put those together, you're right about 70, between 70 and 75. So that's not bad, and it's just like three trips. So those, like, uh, the trip ratio was really, really good. So not too bad, you know. Um, it's always good to make some extra money. I cut the grass uh, uh, yesterday, which my mom was proud of, and back in my room and did, did my laundry. Got I got a lot personally done, and so it was it was a great day for me yesterday while I was off and um, be back on the grind uh for Walmart uh today and and tomorrow and then church on Sunday. So uh the the week is wrapping up um and the weekend is is right here. Speaking of week wrapping up, a concept that my mom just did not get and bless her heart. I I don't I don't know if I wasn't saying it right or whatever, but or her days were all messed up, but she said, uh, she said of um, uh, yesterday, she come in and said, "Hey, son, how are you doing?" And I said, "I'm good." Uh, she said, "You're you're 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 off today, and that's good." Um, and and tomorrow is your Friday. I said, "No, no, tomorrow is Friday," and um, and. Now, I'll put it in today's context. Today is Friday, but today is not my Friday. My Friday, which is the last day of the week that I work, is is Saturday. Um, I with split days off, it is kind of hard to really break it down. So, um, but you know, if you work typically five days, uh, which I you know, I do, and, and most people do. I mean, there are a lot of people that do work six days a week. There's some people who work, you know, their schedule, they, they, they're they working seven days a week, and I don't know how in the world you do that. Six is pretty tough. Five is pretty much normal for the majority of uh, um, Americans. But so, you know, you work your typical five days off, even though I have a split. My my Friday is Saturday. Um. Unless you want to say that um, your normal Monday through Friday schedule and me having split. So I guess you can say my Thursday is is Saturday and, and my Sunday is Sunday. I, I mean, I don't know how you want to do it as far as, you know, weekend. But she's like, oh, tomorrow's your Friday. I'm like, no, uh, it, it is Friday. But my Friday is Saturday, and um, uh, my my Thursday is is Friday. She's like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I I'm like, I know, Mom. It just you know, think about a five day week. She's like, ah, I don't know. I just I just don't understand it. So, hopefully, to you that makes sense. If I work um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, off Thursday, work Friday and Saturday. Your typical five five days. So, my Monday is a Monday. My Tuesday is Tuesday. My Wednesday is Wednesday. But my Thursday is Friday, and my Friday is Saturday. Simple enough. Makes sense to me. And uh, it just wasn't uh, was not uh, clicking um, with her at all. If you agree or disagree, let me know. If you like, oh, you're an idiot. Um, uh, your line of thinking is is wrong, then you know. Let me know. Shoot, people are still 
um, ripping me on um, that what is the closest time to to midnight thing. And I don't know if I even told you guys about it or not. I don't, I don't necessarily want to get into it. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll get into the long or the short form of it. There's It's a multiple choice kind of thing. Um, and it's, uh, 12.03 a.m., so three minutes past midnight, 12.06 a.m., six minutes past midnight, 11, um, 50, um, a.m., which is obviously 11 hours and 50 minutes, um, into the day. It's almost, you know, almost, uh, lunchtime. And then like 11.55 a.m., so five minutes before lunchtime. And the question is, what is the closest? Well, if you put it on a number line, which I think most people do, I'm I'm one that does not, um, you know, three minutes past uh, midnight is, is the closest. And yes, number line, that is the closest, the only answer. And the way I answered it is that just for whatever reason, my mind went in super analytical mode. And when talking about time, you you know, time only moves forward. It does not move backwards. Um, and, and that whole thing and, and scientific and, you know, what the laws and rules of time. And I said, so, no, 11.55 is closer, even though it's several hours away. Um, you know, you're like several hours early. And people have been ripping me on that for a while. So if you want to rip me, on this line of uh, thinking of which days of the week are are my personal days of the week, feel free to do so. Shoot me an email, bigskysportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, or you can comment on something uh, all uh, on my socials at Big Sky Sports Talk. That's uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You know, whatever you want to do, you can do that. Send me a direct message. That's fine. But that's that's how I break down, and and like I said, my mom was like all kinds of confused. Um, but anyway, th- that's how things go. Um, I don't think I have anything else major uh, that happened yesterday. Uh, yesterday that uh, to kind of lay on you guys. So I'll go ahead and get in sound credits. We have a uh, dbacks dot com for the um, uh, game recap between Diamondbacks and Giants. Um, azcardinals.com for um, Jonathan Gannon that met before practice and uh, special teams coach Jeff Rogers her, uh, we'll hear from him the first time this year I think or maybe it might be second time um, th- this year I know when the staff got hired we heard from all of them but since Jeff Rogers was one of the coaches they kept and majority of fans know who he is. Um, I don't know if we heard from him. So it's either the first or second time. I, my mind is hazy on that. But be good to hear from, from him. Um, then we have um, Arizona Sports uh, YouTube page. Um, something that uh, uh, one of the shows there talk about the Cardinals that, that I'll include. Excuse me, had to cough and clear my throat. And then um, uh, Sun Devil Source YouTube page for uh, Kenny Dillingham. So that's that's all the sound credits. Uh, we'll jump into uh, Diamondbacks up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. 
Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Fourth game between the... Giants and Diamondbacks. I have to reiterate the fourth game because I uh, messed up in yesterday's show, and uh, that was that was just completely my bad and um, a lack of focus, much like uh, the Diamondbacks lately, with the exception of yesterday afternoon's game. Um, it was just right now uh, more um, of the same, just. Uh, offensive struggles for this team. It, it's it's one thing, um, and it, you know it's tough to deal with and tough to see when you have a player or two that's uh, slumping. But when a whole team is slumping, it, it's it's tough. It's really really tough. Excuse me. Um, and. Uh, Especially in in this one where Brendan Fott gets tagged with the loss, but it, it if you didn't hear or see the game, and I'm about to tell you about it, you 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 think that he pitched bad, but he pitched the game of his life. It's the best game he's had. He he seven strong innings, only gave up two hits. Um, the one and only run that San Francisco gets, which by far I uh, buried the lead. Um, that San Francisco won uh, the game one to nothing. He walked one guy, seven strikeouts, um, brings his ERA to 7.11. So a high ERA, but like I said, the game of his life. Ginkle pitched an inning, one strikeout. He has a 2.13 ERA, and uh, that's that's the game. But a lot of a lot of offers. Um, Lately, and and it continued yesterday. Corbin Carroll, uh, one for three. Uh, Rivera, zero for four. Um, Tommy Pham, his first time, he was a DH. Uh, he, if Tommy Pham, I I like. I, I think he he can definitely um, add to this team, and he's 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 got a great stick um, for the most part. But he was zero for three. Christian Walker, one for four. Lourdes Gurriel, one for four. Perdomo one for four. Nick Ahmed one for three. And uh Jace Peterson as a pinch hitter over one. Alec Thomas over two. Cattell Marte as a pinch hitter over one. And um Carson Kelly one for two. Just no offense at all uh for the Diamondbacks. And I mean, on a day where you one of your young pitchers 
pitches, arguably, um, and really you can you can't even say arguably. It, it is most certain the best game to date, and uh, that sucks. So you lose a series three one, and um, lose the game one to nothing. Um, you have hope though. You have two games uh, coming up. Um, wait, no, that's not right. Uh, that's the wrong schedule I'm looking at. You have, um, three games set, so, um, against the Twins, uh, coming up, who are, uh, just two games above 500, but, I mean, well, you're not that many games above 500 yourself. You're 57, 53, they're 56 and 54, but a uh, Twins team that um, is, where are they? Um, oh, they're actually first in the Central. But, oh, yeah, that's that, That's right. That's that very, very weak Central uh, division. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. They, like, the whole team is absolutely slumping uh, for the Diamondbacks. Ms. Merrill Kelly will go against uh, Bailey Oop. Ober or is it Uber or Ober, um, and uh, both right-handed pitchers. As for um, yesterday afternoon's game, uh, this is how it went down. Lamont Wade Jr. struck out to lead off the game, leads off the fourth. High drive, right field, it is out of here. Up onto the arcade, Lamont Wade Jr. And the Giants take the lead on one swing of the bat. His second home run of the series. The first hit of the day for the Giants, and it gives the Giants a 1-0 lead. So now the possible tie run at third. And two outs with the right-handed hitting Rivera coming up. This is a long run, and Conforto had a raffle that one. The inning is over. And Carroll is stranded at third. Brandon Fox is his ninth major league start. Diamondbacks top pitching prospect. So far to this point, he's had the best start of his career by far. Trying to get through seven. The 0-2. Swing and a flare over towards the shortstop. Ahmed, he'll make the catch. And the inning is so fought fabulous through seven. There's Nick Ahmed steps in. Nick drops it into left field. And there's your tying run. Ahmed a single to start off the game. Payoff on the way. And that's outside ball four. He walked him. As the Diamondbacks now have runners at first and second. And only one out. And here comes Carroll. This is going to be a tough play. It's J.D. Davis. And he hangs in there and makes it. The lefty Rodgers face the right-handed hitting Rivera. Runners at first and second. Two outs the pitch. Knocks it down, picks it up, and throws him out, and he got hurt. That's 102, I think, off his shoulder. One nothing Giants as we head to the top of the ninth. Game 51 for Camilo Duvall this year, three and three with 32 saves. Now the pitch, that one hit well, deep out to left, and that ball is off the top of the left field wall. Walker, a really late break out of the box and it's going to be held to just a single. Hit it too hard, and A.J. Pollock played the carom off the wall perfectly. Nine runs aboard for Gurriel, who's got a base hit. 
That drops in front of Pollock out there. Back to back, one out singles against Doval. Two outs in the ninth, tying run at third, go ahead runs at first. And it will be Jace Peterson to pinch hit. High. Ball game. One home run from Lamont Wade Jr. was the difference in this one. And with only two hits, they win the ball game. Ah, oh, stepping on my toes of where I was going. Yes, only two hits. Both hits I uh, were given up by Brandon Fott. He uh, still only the one run, but Diamondbacks zero one runs. They had six hits. So they had um, four more hits than the uh, Giants had, and no errors. And Giants only had the one run, only two hits. And they had an error, and the Diamondbacks' uh, offense still couldn't get it going at all. We'll see what happens this weekend against a okay um, Twins team, although the Diamondbacks are um, well on their way to just okay themselves. So uh, that's everything, uh, Diamondbacks. We'll get into uh, some... Um, Cardinals, sorry, brain fart. Um, some Cardinals uh, up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. So, um, as uh, they have lately, uh, Diamondbacks have, uh, Diamondbacks, I'm still on Diamondbacks, uh, Cardinals have had several um, media availability um sessions for players and coaches alike um this is uh jonathan gannon uh ahead of yesterday's plastic plastic uh, pl uh practice session uh easy for me to say um tell us about what's going on lately jg dancing on the sidelines, enjoying their time together. You've said before that you want them to showcase their personality through their play. How have you seen them do that, and how much does swagger play a role into the game? Yeah, I think uh, we have the best job in the world, so they should enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, I want them to be who they are, and I want them to celebrate with their teammates and, uh, you know, enjoy what they're doing. And typically, heard me say, sustained, positive enthusiasm. Like, you know, anyone can have a good period, a, a, a good half of a practice. Can you do it over and over and over and over? So as we get here, the challenge for those guys now, as we get rolling in a camp week two, week three, can we keep that up? And um, it's been cool to see because they've been doing a good job with it. That was the first day of pads. So we could talk to you yesterday. Good. Yeah, pretty clean. Got a lot of work done. Um, I thought it was Pretty physical. There was some violence out there, which you need, and uh, got a lot of good teaching off of some things. You know, that's different when you're not in pads as when you are in pads. But I really, I told them I appreciated how they worked because the expectations that we set for them when we're in pads um, was was sufficient to get done what we need to get done, practicing in a certain way that you know gets us better and also protects ourselves and protects our teammates. What's your, what's your mindset in terms of preseason games and how much you like, especially veterans, to play? It seems like it's there's a, coaches are kind of all over the map in terms 
kind of what's your thought process? Case by case basis. You know, every team's a different team. Every player is a different player. So um, those conversations are going on now. But, uh, you know, it, uh, we'll make that decision collectively with the player, um, make, him, make sure he understands why um, the decision is made, and we'll go from there. Like a quarterback at this moment, who, if he needed to be, could take live games now. He's doing a good job. Yeah, I think he's operating at a at a high level. Um, you know, he learns a lot every day. It's every day is kind of, you know, just a, you know, a, a waterfall of information coming at him all over the place in the meeting rooms. It's awesome to hear. It's really cool to hear his thought process when he makes a mistake, like why he made that mistake, you know what I mean? Talking with Iz and Drew, the other quarterbacks in the room, what he saw, what he was thinking, what happened, you know? And uh, he's brutally honest. He says, yeah, I, I, I you know, messed that one up, you know what I mean? And that happens. It's good. Let's learn from it and keep going. But I like that he, he plays fast. He has command when he walks into the huddle. Uh, you see the arm talent. So he's got a long way to go, just like everybody does. But he's doing a good job. Houston. Is there anything you guys had to undo? No, no, footwork's a little bit different. You know what I mean? How Drew and his coach that up. But I mean, if you can sling it, you can sling it. I've seen you talking to Kyler last couple practices out there on the field. He takes into some of those conversations, what you're doing out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a back and forth. Um, he He's, he's, He's kind of a ball junkie, you know what I mean? He uh, he wants to understand the why of why is, why is Rollis doing that? You know, why is Marco playing it that way? Why is this going on? You know, what was that? A, you know, different things. He wants to understand, why would you call that right there? You know, and I said, well, I don't know why Nick would call that right there. I wouldn't, but um, I try to educate him on those things. He wants to know defense, you know what I mean? Good quarterbacks do. So, and he's very intelligent. So he, he understand you can talk on you can talk with him to a level of like he's a coach, you know what I mean? Because he's smart and he understands and and it's also for me really good for me to hear his perspective. You know what I mean? Is that hard on you guys? No, that's not hard on us. Or you should do more of that. Here's why it's hard on us. So it's just the back and forth of the quarterback position. And all those quarterbacks do a good job with that. I pick their guys those those guys' brains. You know what I mean? Because they kind of have the view of you know, who we're trying to defend and make it hard on, you know, ask the people that you're going against what they think, you know, and uh, get some really good feedback from that. Kind of uh, Kyler taking, you know, if it's true, taking a page out of Larry Fitzgerald's book. Larry Fitzgerald asked questions about anything and everything, especially especially if he didn't know. Um, there, there's been so many, you know, he never was mic'd up um or uh wired for sound as uh they call it but um other people have been and you know Larry's been there and uh several instances where um Fitz is is asking you know questions he's always asking questions and um and uh I you know I've, I've seen it and heard it so so much and and I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, if you ask, you're like Fitz and ask questions, then you're going to be a household name and, you know, a beloved, uh, you know, cardinal um, and one of the more respected 
players in the league because that obviously everything I'm saying is is what fits is. Uh, but I think it's important to ask questions, even if you have an idea, ask. And and I, when I'm learning and and when I'm doing things, uh, I I ask a lot of questions. I really do. Um, and, and I I'm I I consider myself fairly observant except for when I'm uh looking at a schedule of a baseball team and 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 uh see only three games and it's really four games they're playing. See see I see what I did there I can rip myself. Um but uh yeah I try to be as, as observant as as possible, try to ask as many questions as as possible um and always remaining teachable uh, is is a big deal. And so, well, we'll, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see what happens uh, from, you know, Kyler asking a lot of questions and trying to figure things out. At this point, that's all he can do, really, other than any his rehab work. Um, but I like that he's he's doing that. Um, as some people say, well, you know, he, if you if you had a great football IQ, you wouldn't ask those questions. And I, I don't. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I, you know, like I said, I feel like you should always be uh, teachable and always uh, have that line of communication open um, with uh, those around you and, and ask questions. Will you cut loose on uh, Saturday's red and white practice? Mm, yeah, it'll be full tilt. Are you the type of head coach that wants your quarterback to be an extension of you on the field? Yeah, I, I think they are who they are. I mean, I, you know, they're probably, I say this to people, it's probably the closest thing. I got this coach Sirianni, the, the closest person on the field that's to a coach is the quarterback. So, yeah, you'd like them to be an extension of you to a certain extent. But, you know, I expect those guys to run the show and have command and make plays and it's a production business and be a great teammate and, you know, when the defense trots out there, you know, juice them up. When the offense trots out there, let's go score. So um, it's been cool to see. I like all those guys' personalities. How do, you, uh, how do you guys come up with the practice playlist, the music that you guys are playing out there? Is that your list? Is it all you? Everything is all me. <laughs> I got I to say in it. I got to say in it. I have requests. So do the players. The players have requests. But I have I have requests. That was one of mine. So was that Elenium. You guys probably don't know what who that is. One of my faves. That would be like what you would know Bob as like techno, but it's not techno. It's like it's it's, it's yeah, it's actually more like it's actually more like beachy trance, but that would be like techno in your world. Yeah, no, no. I could see you in college, just king of the techno club. Has anybody's personality kind of just kind of shined throughout this process? You know what? It, that's a great question. All ninety, like, like really, like, it, it, because everyone's so different, and like, as you get to know guys, you know, it's. Um, I actually said that's. I was talking with Monty, and that's. It's been a transition, you guys. What's the you know what's a transition? What's a hard thing for you? You know. Uh, connecting with all 90 on a daily basis is 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 hard. 
You know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm watching all of them, but I don't get a chance to check in with all of them throughout the day. And, and um, I obviously do do that. But uh, just it's just it's the best job in the world, man. Like you talk to guys, hey, what were you thinking on this play? And the answer you might get is just completely like off the wall. It's like then you send a text to his position coach like, hey, man, like, did he say this to you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you know, or like, hey, man, like, how's your day going? How's your wife? You know what I mean? And like the things that are said, we got some guys with babies on the way and stuff. And me being a father of three, like I've been sitting in that seat and it's just, it's, it's awesome. The players are the reason that the job is what it is. Did you have anybody day off today? Um, no, not today. Coach, it's so pretty early, but what do you think of the uh, progress from guys like Isaiah Simmons and Xavier Collins who transitioned? Yeah, I think all of our guys, but those guys that you just mentioned, I think they're doing a good job, um, but they need to keep doing, you know, improving on the things that we ask them to improve on to make us a better team. You know, and that's not uh, just one guy here or there. That's everybody involved, coaches included, myself included. Like, I have to do a better job at this if we're going to be a better team. And um, I think that the cool thing is, is the position coaches and the coordinators and the staff, um, they communicate that effectively, effectively and swiftly so there is no – you know, uh, you know, I wish you would have told me that last week. You know what I mean? When it's on our mind and we think that, we tell them. And uh, they they want that. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like, how am I doing? Like, it was breakfast this morning. Like, hey, how, how am I rushing? You know what I mean? What can I work on? So um, it's, uh, it's, it's been cool. Those guys, pro players want to be good players, you know? I jumped the gun on pausing that a couple of times. I'm sorry. That's not you. That's not an internet feed me. I wish I could blame it there. I was, I was trying to, I don't know. I was too antsy on pausing it. And not because of what I'm saying, getting ready to say now. I uh, just, I don't know. But uh, there, there is a concerted effort to, you know, try to get a gauge on uh, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins because both of them are in a transition of from roles, both of them inside linebackers to, well, Zavin on the edge um, and um, Isaiah more in the secondary, specifically safety. Um, and, uh, but also Isaiah more than, than, um, uh, than Zavin, but both guys are kind of like, what are we going to get out of these players? Both of them drafted first round picks, which is not their fault. It's, you know, uh, it, it's where they were drafted. So there's a lot of expectation. And, and, and both of them, you're kind of like, man, are these busts or not? And right now, uh, again, more for Isaiah, it's been a bust. And uh, it's, it's a big deal to know how those guys are doing um and uh i you know i'm not out there at, at practice but um uh doug was talking about it on his show yesterday and or yesterday or the day before and he said he'll notice isaiah simmons is one of the more physical guys out there um but what he'll pay attention to since he doesn't really know the scheme or what he's supposed to be doing. He'll be paying attention to the guys that kind of get talked to, uh, 
by the the coaches and other players. And usually what that means, sometimes it's not all, all bad, but usually it means is, hey, what were you thinking on that play? You know, you need to do it this way. You, you know, it's just kind of a, a real quick uh, correction, kind of teachable moment. And uh, and he said he has noticed, uh, he being Doug, has noticed a lot of that for Isaiah Simmons. Um as it pertains to Zayvon Collins and, and, and whatnot, it's more of the uh, question of football IQ of Zayvon. Um, his athleticism and size and all that is 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 a, a big thing, and, and definitely, and he knows uh, that he works hard, uh, but... Uh, so many times last year and, and whatnot, he doesn't really get guys to block him. He just kind of blocks himself by, you know, taking wrong path to the ball carrier or, or just other different things and uh, and and some of his his um, reactionary things and, and movement. So uh, that's the big thing for uh, for Zavin and uh, on uh, his. Uh, growth and you can hear from both those guys that they want to be great they they you know they do in everything they can and like i said it's not their fault they're number one picks uh not number one picks but first round picks um the cardinals made that decision and right now as i said the cardinals are on their way to having two guys that are busts and that's that's no bueno or you want it to be, be an outside linebacker he can probably play 10 out of 11 positions, honestly, on defense. Um, yeah, he's he's looks great where he's at, how they're deploying him, how they're using him, what he can pick up. You know, he's I talked about his intelligence already. But um, he's doing a good job. What's the one position he couldn't play? Yeah, he probably could play corner, probably nickel. Slot corner. There you go, Darren. Coach, you get asked a lot about the players now. They've progressed from whenever you first got here into an album, how have you your coaching staff progress? Yeah, I mean, good. I, like, there's there's always a handful of things. Like, at each, you know, kind of period in the year and where we're at now, you know, obviously training camp. But there's, you know, you got to kind of, you got to, and it's a process for me, too, of learning that, but learning how guys tick and how they operate and, you know, how they run meetings, how they practice, how they coach on the field is different for each guy and things like that. But I think collectively as a whole, I say, hey, guys, like, I think we need to do a better job of this. And then you kind of give it a few days and you see, you know what I mean? And then you talk about it. And anything that I've either thought that we need to do a better job of um, or maybe increase here or there. They've they've responded well and done a good job. But you know, I'm uh, I'm grateful to have the guys that are wearing these colors coaching our players because I know they're they truly believe that their role is to serve the player and improve the player. And it's not about them; it's about the players. And uh, they've taken on that role as well as I could have hoped. Nick said that he has to resist the urge to kind of interject. Yeah, tell him so do I. That would, does that, I mean, I'm guessing. In his meeting, tell him. <laughs> no, go ahead. I mean, I'm, just, I'm guessing you would expect that out of him, knowing what the history is. Yeah, like as you go up, as your roles change, it's, you know, your, where your comfort is, is sometimes not your role, you know? And, um, 
you just gotta be aware of that. That's all. But uh, him and Drew and every, you know, Jeff Rogers, they have full autonomy to say what they want to say. You know what I mean? I, I do believe that. Um, and there's a healthy blend of that too. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I, you know, the seat that I'm in, I'm like, man, I wish I could run a defensive meeting right now. And he hands me the clicker. Go ahead. You know what I mean? Uh, but right now, you know what? No, you run it. You know. And um, so it's been, that's honestly, if you, know, if you ask me what do I miss the most, it's running a meeting, like that type of meeting, you know? And, um, but uh, that's not the role. What kind of things have you leaned on Jeff Rogers for? Yeah, a lot. I mean, uh, the players, player management, game management, scheduling, um, how I say certain things. Um, just organizational structure. Um, it's really like having, you know, a better version of myself and my brain right there with me to ask questions. So he's been phenomenal, phenomenal. A lot of coaches when we get into the head role, we find it hard to delegate. Is that something you had to get used to doing or are you just kind of okay with it? No, not really for me. I, I think that um, how I always saw this role as, and I'm still kind of, you know, making up my own mind too as you get going, not to say that, you know, I'm convicted about certain things that I won't change that down the road, but I, I kind of always saw this role as you have to be good at doing that. And, um, you know, I've been around some guys that I saw do a really good job of doing that. So it was like, okay, like, and the times that I have to fight the urge to not do that, it's like, what you know, what did I, you know, what did I just see that worked? And not to say that's one size fits all, but that's part of the job that I think you have to be proficient at. Well, we we heard about how great Jeff Rogers is, and he's someone that that I like, and obviously, like I said, one of the only coaches that they kept. Um, so. Uh, We'll uh, listen in from what he has to say uh, right now. And this was following uh, yesterday's practice. So, And obviously Andy was the punter for a long time. we got a couple of new guys in there right now. What have you seen from them and, and what do you want to see in order to make that decision? Um, a little bit more familiarity with Cooney. Obviously he's been here before getting to know Matt. Uh, Matt's got more NFL tape, so um, you know got a solid feel for what their skill sets are. They've both been pretty decent so far. Um, you know, today was a heavy punt day. Uh, so was Tuesday. Both full padded work, and um, both guys were really good on Tuesday. So look forward to seeing them follow it up today, and then Saturday we're gonna do more work. There's there's factors that go into it, right? Like um, Nolan kicks off, you know, which is good. Matt's left footed, which causes issues sometimes with returners. Uh, Matt's got a little bit more experience, but um, no one's hitting the ball really well right now. Uh, the holding part will factor in. Um, it's hard to say kind of where things are at right now because they're pretty close. So we'll kind of let that see, uh, see how that plays out over the next few weeks. Over, go ahead. Over your time here, you've played this de facto advisory role to whoever the head coach is, kind of just helping guide them through when they get here. What's that like for you? And then is party waiting for your chance to be a head coach after going? If I'm waiting, I might be waiting a long time. Um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, this is year 20 for me in the league. So there's a lot of things I've seen. I've been with different organizations, different GMs, different head coaches. Um, you know, this, this spring and the time up until now is really getting to know the head coach and what his decision making is, what his philosophy on, on different things are. Um, you know, I think all of our jobs as assistant coaches are, you know, how can we help in whatever area, um, certainly voice our opinion when asked. Not that guys are going to agree with it or disagree with, but just to give another perspective. So, um, you know, it, it's been good so far. We're still working through things. We did two minutes today. A couple things come up there, um, you know, to be, be able to talk through. But, you know, it's – I don't really see it any other way than whatever my role is, whatever questions I'm asked, I try to be educated enough to answer them and um, give a perspective. Most um... – Special teams coaches are, you know, the closest to uh, head head coaches for their team, and especially for Jeff Rogers, is you know special teams uh, coach and uh, assistant head coach is, um, you know, for for him. And the reason why I say usually the closest because they're you know special teams is is. Uh, a very important um, phase of the game, but you're also dealing with offensive and defensive players, and um, you know it's it special teams is such an you know interesting phase that you know you're you're kind of kind of doing both in a way. I mean you're you're doing blocking, but you're doing tackling, you know, uh, on kickoff and and punt, and then you're doing offensive stuff and. In, in, in fake and uh you know plays and other different things and you're you're working with offensive and defensive players to fill those special team roles and on kick and punt return and um it, it it's a healthy mix of of both and um you know I, I think Jeff Rogers would would be a solid head coach but you know he, he kind of um said it himself he's like if i'm waiting i'll be waiting a while because he, he's been in the league for for 20 years so clearly if someone thought he was a, go, a good head coach he would have been that already so i guess my opinion is wrong in saying that i think he would be a good one because uh, clearly uh all nfl teams say no um but um again one of the only players if not i think the only player over the last uh, couple of seasons for the Cardinals that has been retained. And that that is absolutely huge. What's it like being with this young of a group? Do you feel like the advisor for a college fraternity or something like that? You know, the, these, I, I, I was just curious what that's like with guys, you know, one of the youngest coaching staffs in the league. Sure. Um, nothing different. You know, regardless of what the age or experience levels are, guys have earned, you know, their places here. And, you know, the head coach has a vision for, for everybody on the staff. It's kind of the same thing. Like, we'll, sit, we'll be in the locker room after practice talking through things or guys will ask, you know, different things. I, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, is pretty common amongst the coaches as I've seen it is, the offensive coaches will ask the defensive coaches, like, what do you guys see in there? And kind of cross-coach that, similar to the way players do it. And the more educated we can become, the better it is. With uh, 
and, and this this came up a lot during the owners' meetings when they're talking about rules with special teams and stuff like that. Like, do you get worried? It seems like there's some special teams coaches out there that get concerned about special teams being legislated out of the game, and, and obviously they're talking about safety being part of it, but how has that evolution been, and, and do you get concerned that that part of the game is not disappearing but changing dramatically? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, figure out how to say this. So first off, I don't think anybody would have a dissenting opinion that player safety is the most important thing, right? When they do things at the NFL level, generally speaking, the union has a seat at the table. The league office has a seat at the table. They'll ask the head coaches. Um, what's been good about probably the last seven or eight years is when they've talked about doing things and legislating new things in the kicking game, they've included the coaches' opinions. Um, the decisions that arrived this year are interesting. Um, everybody's got an opinion on how things will go. Um, if it helps player safety, awesome. I think that there's probably a few arguments to say, yeah, this might help, but it might not. And I think that's why the league makes it a one-year trial, see how it goes, like when they, whatever that year that was, interference was was reviewed and it was an absolute train wreck. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We all know where things stand right now. We're going to have to deal with it this year. Um, there's a lot of things you got to prepare for. I've not spent as much time in past training camps talking about squib kicks, bloop kicks, how we handle those things. The fair catch comes into play um, situationally for sure. But I think in the preseason, we're all going to see – some things we haven't seen in the past. What's your uh, thoughts on bringing, having the two, sorry if you asked, were asked this, but having the two veterans at holder and kicker back, and you almost had a third, I guess, but he, it didn't happen with Andy. What's that like just to have two of those three guys back? Well, I, you're referring to like snapper and the kicker, and obviously we were, we're getting a new, uh, new punter from the regular season last year. Familiarity is good. Those guys are proven commodities in the league. They're still playing at a high level. Um, Andrew got, Aaron got injured a year ago. It's good to see him back. There's no, like, right now residual effect on, you know, anything that, that he's doing. Um, you know, it, it is the field goal kicking part of it is a three-part deal. Somebody got to snap it, somebody got to hold it, and then we obviously got to make the kick. So. What we're really working towards is, is giving Matt the best opportunity um, by doing our job at snapper and, and holder. But, um, you know, there's, there's things to work through for sure. There is nothing like the cohesion of, of that group, the snapper, the holder, and the kicker for, you know, field goals and, and other different things. Um, because when one of those goes down, it is obvious during games. It is a hundred percent obvious, and it's been obvious for the Cardinals when there's been a new kicker or there's been a new snapper or whole, any of those. Um, and it it's just like a well-oiled machine. Uh, when you have all three, they're all out there. They're all focused and healthy, and and and, and uh, you know playing playing the game. It is is so much of a. Uh, a uh, a big deal and a big big difference and uh it, it's a noticeable one um so 
uh, to to have that cohesion is good, and hopefully, that you know, the missing pieces or piece rather um, can uh, you know get um, uh, integrated quickly, and and then you have it going again. Yeah, they have the whole uh, training camp to to work on it. And uh, we'll 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 see what happens, and hopefully, it's it's not a a train wreck. Why do you think Prater's had such a long and successful career? What's it about his routine that kind of has allowed him to have such longevity? Coaching. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, Matt's evolved as a kicker. Obviously, I coached him um, in Denver over a decade ago. Um, you know, in in his He's kind of refined different things. He's found ways to experiment in the offseason on things that, that might help him, different points of emphasis, um, whether it's, it's field goal kicking or, or kicking off. Um, you know, when I first met Matt, you know, he's, he's in his 20s, and now, you know, he's a dad, and, um, and his life's changed quite a bit. But, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's kind of had a calming effect on him, and, um, you know, he's – He's still doing it at a high level. Um, I don't know if there's anything specific about his routine being different than anybody else, but uh, he kind of knows what he needs and, and works hard doing it. How more special is that when, when you grow up with a, with a player like that and you get to connect with them on a personal level and see them evolve as a person and a player? Does it mean more when you're coaching someone like that? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it means more because, you know, you care about all your players and, you try to do, you know, the best you can for those players, um, whatever the work environment is, whatever things they need to be successful. That's what we do as coaches to try and try and do that. Um, you know, Brewer's the same way. I've known him for a long time. Um, and again, just getting to know, know guys. But I wouldn't say it's any different when you've known a guy a long time other than you guys just know each other well enough to sometimes communicate without communicating. You having been there and set the record with Matt, what sort of factors do you look for in attempting another kick like that that could be record set? Yeah, it's it's really unique. So I've talked about this before, but you know, in that set of circumstances, you know, people say mile high in the thin air and all that stuff. That's amongst the coldest games I've ever been a part of. And what strikes me is two things: one, the kick that was John Fox's. The other one is that was his first game back. He had a heart deal. And it was like, how is he on the sideline? It's so cold. So um, those factors kind of uh, waved each other off. But it's the end of the half, right? So um, the field position component doesn't come into play. It's not like if you miss the kick, they're taking the ball over there because it's, it's at the end. Generally speaking, you're not going to try that kick with 52 seconds left to go in the half because if you do miss, right, that's really good field position there. So those, those things factor in. Um, you know, seeing what he looks like, I mean – Matt's still kicking the ball a long way. I mean, he kicks off those skinnies, and they're usually moved up in front of the goalpost. But if you're watching where they're going relative to the actual goalpost, they're traveling a long way. Um, so if he's capable of doing it and, and the situation comes up in the game, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of hesitation. It just has to be right. And that's kind of what goes into the attempt. The one kick that topped that kick it's at the end of the game, right? It's the exact same situation. So uh, it's got to come up end of half, end of game, and um, we got to feel good about the conditions that we're in. What are those 
interactions like? Do you ask him? Does he come to you and say, let's do it? Like, what's that back and forth like? Yeah, we usually talk in pregame, uh, right after pregame. If it's an outdoor game and there's weather involved, we might have one or two of those this year. Um, but, you know, you kind of gauge with, okay, did the wind shift or, you know, this way, that way, whatever those things are. As we're getting closer to that moment, you know, maybe it's the two-minute warning or whatever, it's, okay, if this comes up, where do you feel good from? And, you know, Matt's pretty honest with those things. Um, I mean, he obviously wants um, to be in that moment. He thrives in that moment. But um, it's just got to be right, and he'll tell us. And if we get in that range, let's do it. Um, with returning, whether it's kickoffs or punts, can you get a good sense of what a guy can do in practice, or do you really need to see that in game situations? Both. I mean, I, I've said this before to um, different people. A guy can certainly eliminate himself from the job in practice, but I don't know if anybody's winning the job in practice. There's, you know, when, when these college guys come out, the rules are different in, in college. So, like, there's rugby, rollout, punts. You're not going to see that at the NFL level. Okay? They don't see the ball up in the air five seconds, five, three, hang time. Um, so they've got to be able to handle that first. And then, you know, when the lights come on, I mean, some guys can do it, some guys can't. So uh, the, the ball security part is always going to be number one. Um, number one goal of our return team, give the ball back to the offense, and that's where we start. And then, you know, if you average a first down, right, 10-plus yards on punt return, you're doing a good job. I mean, that's high in today's league. If you're averaging to the 35 on kickoff return, that's really high um, there. So that's kind of the goal, you know, a first down mentality uh, in our return game. And then once we get past that, that's where you're talking about explosives. But the ball security part and, and how good that guy is um, to earn a roster spot, all those things factor in. All right. Um, and the last but not least that we'll, I'll get into is um, – uh, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports, the Bickley and Murata show. Dan Bickley, another blast for him. And uh, this uh, is kind of on the, the topic of um, the young coaching staff. It's kind of been a question a little bit. Um, you, you, uh, you've you heard JG talk about it, that, you know, he's he's doing his best to um, be in, in close communication as often as he can with all 90 players, but as well as – uh, the coaching staff, and then he he's really on his staff to be on their staff. So, like, uh, you know, uh, making sure Drew uh, is, is uh, you know, teaching and coaching the offensive staff under under Drew and, and that Nick is uh, teaching and coaching the offensive staff under uh, under Nick. And, and just all that, and Jeff the same way. Um, and the fact that this is one of the youngest, if not the youngest, co uh, coaching staffs uh, in the NFL, that's kind of been a big question lately. Well, uh, Dan, he uh, he talks about it himself in, in his blast. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. NFL training camp is full of it, 
And by it, I mean it's full of windbag optimism. I am trying my best to stay grounded and clear-minded. But I have to say, the Cardinals' new coaching staff is making a really good impression. Start with head coach Jonathan Gannon, who's, who is only 40 years old, but he's definitely smart. He's also a polished communicator with great energy. And while he's never been a head coach before, he's been in the NFL since 2007, working for six different teams. And his sense of comfort in the big chair really shows offensive coordinator drew petzing is 36 only six months younger than colt mccoy and then there's nick rollis who is tw who was 29 when he was named defensive coordinator the youngest coordinator in the nfl on either side of the ball in some arizona's top three coaches are a combined 106 years old with zero experience in the jobs they now possess that is astonishing and by contrast Bruce Arians was 60 when he became a first-time head coach in Arizona, and he brought along 74-year-old Tom Moore as a comfort hire to cover for his inexperience. That is unbelievable. Now, there's obvious pitfalls and potholes ahead. Rookie head coaches make mistakes. Young coordinators make mistakes, and this staff is going to have a target on its back because this is a sport built on the good old boy network and a pay-your-dues mentality. After all, Gannon and Rollis combined are still younger than Bill Belichick or Pete Carroll but this new staff seems to have a clue and a strong grasp on what this team and this moment requires. I don't know if I look at it as a challenge as much as um, an opportunity to get some young guys with really good talent to play at a high level. Um, you know I've talked to Marco specifically and told him like you have all the ability to be a number one corner in this league and that's what I expect but you know, I'm going to hold you accountable and try to get you better every day. Coach Smitty's going to do the same thing. JG's going to do the same thing. You know, JG's background is, is coaching those DBs, and he's responded great to it. You know, a lot of those guys, like you said, it's a, it's a young group with talent with, with a high ceiling. And I like the way they show up and work in meetings. You know, there's a lot of detail to that position, that technique. Those guys are technicians out there, and they kind of have to – you have to be obsessed with – with that spot and your craft. Um, and I'm pleased with, you know, where those guys can go. We gotta keep working. We got we got to improve still, but I'm, I'm excited about it. There's Nick Rollis yesterday talking about the youth of his cornerback groups, but that, that youth obviously permeates throughout the organization, especially to the point of your blast pick throughout yeah. the coaching staff. Uh, maybe the most amazing fact, your, your point about Tom Moore, Tom Moore's still at it. A decade later. Is he really? He's still a consultant with the Tampa Bay wow. Buccaneers. At age 84. 84 years of yeah, age. Yeah, think about that. He on his own. Is almost as old as the, th the as entire the staff. Two coordinators. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, the fact that, just think about that mentality for Bruce Arians, who had been a lifelong coach, age 60, needed a 74-year-old to feel like he had his bases covered. Compare that to what the Cardinals have. Yeah. And the difference is, while, while this staff doesn't have that much experience on planet Earth, they've got a lot of experience in the NFL, which is something Cliff Kingsbury didn't have. And, and more to the point, I think from the, the Jonathan Gannon mindset, what is interesting to me is that he does have a comfort zone. You, you watch him, you listen to him, you see him. It, he feels very comfortable doing this job. Now, could change, but I think there's right off the top, there's some definite differences between he and Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, from day one, 
he he was questioning himself. Do I belong here? What did I do to deserve this? What what are people hating on me? And he was very self-aware about all of that. And in a way, I respected that. Jonathan Gannon isn't acting like, oh, wow, they really took a flyer on me. He's acting like he deserves this job. Mm-hmm. Acting like he belongs there. Yeah. And, and he's acting that way because he's been working in the NFL for 16 years. Yes, because there was also that upward trajectory, the, the climbing of the ladder, if mm-hmm. you will. If you go back to, and I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't for the Cliff Kingsbury hire. I thought it was an so out-of-the-box hire, yeah. but I was yeah. in support of it. But when Cliff Kingsbury got let go at Texas Tech, his alma mater, mm-hmm. there was not probably one iota of a thought, hey, next football season I'm going to be a head coach in no. the NFL. No, He was probably scrambling to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Took the USC job three weeks later, he's a head coach in the yeah, NFL. right. But this has been a constant, and, and you know, it came out when, when the Cardinals finally decided on Jonathan Gannon on, on how he prepared for these opportunities when he was getting interviews. And, and you hear that story with a lot of coaches, but I agree. There's similarities, but then at some point, those similarities, they veer off in different directions. Yes. Now, you and I were both there for the Nick Rollis press conference yesterday, and, and you heard me ask him the question about how challenging is it for three impossibly young coaches at the very top of the coaching ladder to gain credibility, to, to do your jobs effectively. And he gave me a very, very, you were there, a very lengthy, detailed answer, and he mm-hmm. saw it from two sides. He said, internally, they're not having any issues because they're very much in alignment. And that is to say their level of experience, their intelligence, and their communication skills is guiding this group. They're, they're making it very clear what they want. They're providing the energy. And it looks to me, even though it's early, that there is some buy-in here. Right, because practices, from what we've seen, feel different, faster, and so I think there's a buy-in that, yep, we needed this. This is this is good. Externally, he also acknowledged this is going to be a thing. I mean, oh, it's going to come up oh, every week. Every week, it's not just going to be Philadelphia. It's it's it, 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 there is the, there is a bias in the NFL, particularly among the old guard. Meaning, if you don't have experience, who are you to do this job? Who yes. are you to think you can share a sideline or share a football field with me? But that it's kind also, of stuff. With Rick, Nick Rollis especially, being only 30 in this position, mm-hmm. youngest coordinator in the league, that gets attached to his name. In every production meeting, in every broadcast this season on, on, on television for the Cardinals, that will be brought up. Mm-hmm. Nick Rollis, the 30-year-old defensive coordinator, youngest coordinator in the league. Uh, the fact of the matter is there's very, very few examples in the history of sports, not, not just the NFL, in the history of sports where your core is this young, this inexperienced in their current positions where they overcome that to have immediate success. Yeah. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the Michigan basketball team building oh. building their whole core around freshmen and then going to uh, two straight Final Fours. But that was the anomaly. That's why that was a phenomenon. It just seems like that youth and with this very slow movement toward the future, this regime has, it appears to have a little bit more rope than maybe another first-time head coach, Jonathan Gannon, first-time head coach would have in a season that could be very rough. Yeah, because the they're standings. gonna they're gonna grow yeah. as the team grows, mm-hmm. as the, the the franchise grows over the next concept. three years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the Suns tried that with first time head coaches and all these young players uh-huh. during the timeline, and it didn't work, obviously. 
But I I also loved the honesty that Nick Rawls, he answered questions. Hey, are you working more now than you were when you were a position coach? And he said no. But he also was like, look, I'm still figuring things out as a coordinator. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where to go, you know, who to praise during meetings, where to poke my head in. When to shut up. I mean, right. he was very yeah. honest about it. Yeah, he was. Things. The transparency is, I really hope that doesn't change because that is so refreshing. Yeah, I agree. And I walked away from that press conference yesterday going, he's 30? <laughs> I was a disaster at 30. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm only 33, and uh, and he's 30, and it's like, man, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> he's he's a defensive coordinator in, in the NFL. It's just it's it's wild. Um, but I really like this coaching staff. Um, pretty much from from uh, top to bottom. Um, there's a lot of guys I've never heard of, and, and some other coaching staffs that you know you I guess I can say the same that you know hadn't heard of them before. Um, but um, they're this one's one of those that, like, I really haven't, you know. Um, but they don't give you the sense of of panic. They're all super confident, not cocky, super confident, and 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 really feel up to the task and and seem to be doing a a solid job. But yeah, they're right. You know, every time the broadcast is on, hey, this you know this guy's only this this. Uh, uh, this many years of experience or this young or, you know, what have you. And for the good and the bad, <laughs> if they screw up, you know, hey, he's only 30. If they do great, he's like, man, he's only 30. You know, it just it comes with a, a, a different uh, different tone. Um, but uh, anyway, that's everything I have on Cardinals. Uh, we'll get into ASU up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. I actually went to Sun Devil Source and uh, uh, pulled the sound uh, for uh, Kenny Dillingham following uh, yesterday's uh, practice. This is the fourth practice. Obviously, yesterday I, I played all three right in a row, and I, and I kind of like doing that because you can really hear the difference between all all three, and and the when you kind of get a sense of the progress without. Uh, necessarily being there and would I like to be at these practices uh, absolutely as a member of the media that'd be fantastic um, or even a fan but uh, unfortunately I can't and that's the hardest thing about doing a podcast on um, Arizona sports even though it's something I like and even though it's something I'm into and, and I pay attention as much as I can without being there it it, it stinks um, but I hope you get the sense of of how much uh, pride I take into you know trying to learn and know this stuff and and how much uh, um, I, I I try to put into each and every every show. So I hope I hope that that comes across um, every time. So um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and get real into real quick um, Kenny Dillingham after yesterday's practice. Yeah, they walked in tired. So I said, I'm gonna play music that's reflecting our energy. So we played like, I'm so tired, 
We played sad songs, right? Poor me, poor us, right? Because you know what I mean? If you can't motivate yourself, you got no chance. And the thing I was proud of is they started, they, they halfway through, right? A little bit, right? They started to use it as motivation, right? And we go on the road in some of these environments, right? There may not be a big crowd in warmups. How do you get ready to play the game? It's internal, not external. Are you stuck? Very interesting. Right, right off the bat, just kind of get into it. You know, he noticed their energy, and this kind of goes. You know, maybe you can see as a step back where, um, you know, uh, Wednesday's practice was was one of the best so far, and then he felt satisfied. Um, in fact, that was the title of yesterday's podcast. Uh, that this one, he, you know, he felt like they were tired and exhausted. And so he played to played music to how they were feeling and almost, uh, you know, not trying to motivate them. He said, you can't, you know, you're either ready to go or you're not and nothing else will do it. But it ended up doing it anyway. His tactics are very, very interesting. And, uh, I, I, I really like it. Certain guys separate themselves from others. I am. I'm not going to talk directly about which players right now, right until we get through our first scrimmage. But I am. What, what, what does that say to you about about those particular? But not to not to name them. But is that what you want to see? Is that guys are like, okay, this is my position. Yeah, consistency and fight. Like if we want to win, it is very very simple. Compete, 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 compete. Like I said it the other day, but there are no gurus. Like there's no such thing as a guru. There's people who motivate people to play hard and to play a certain way, and there's people who don't, right? And if our leaders motivate our players to play a certain way, we have a chance to be pretty good. What have you thought about your quarterbacks in the first four days? Right, I thought today was their best day. I don't even think it was close. What made it the best day? Uh, thought they were a little more calm. We talked a lot yesterday about, okay, you know your reads, great. If you're looking at your routes, you're looking at the wrong thing. If you know you got a concept over here, and you know it's good versus that, that look, the only thing that can stop this play is if this Will linebacker sprints out. So why are you looking over there on the snap at your routes? You should be looking at the Will linebacker because if he sprints out, you should progress faster. So we're slowly taking the next step from what are the plays and what is your job to now what stops the play and how do you progress quicker? Are they, are they making good changes at the finish? Today was our best day for that, for sure. We, we had a check there at the end that uh, would have checked them in close to a touchdown. They marked us short in tag mode, but who knows what that would have been in the game. You've been talking a lot about that mentality, um, just a lot of physicality and such. Do you think they, that's kind of been displayed more in today's practice? A little bit, not where we need to be, right? It's not, it, you can't just do it two days in shells and be physical. It's gotta be an identity of who you are every single day. When you wake up and we play lullaby music, it doesn't matter. Your identity is, is to be physical. You wake up with that, that's how you play the game, right? And I think we've got some kids on the team that that's how they play the game. You talk about you know, like the way the quarterbacks were calm. How, how valuable is that? Because you, I'm sure you want it to be fast-paced offensively, but you want him to be calm and the defense to be kind of on their heels. Yeah, it's a balance. And when, what, what plays can you play fast? What plays do you need to get into good plays? So a quarterback has to be smart enough to understand the difference. Hold on, two questions. <laughs> Ladies first. Okay, thank you. Uh, just how they responded overall to your message that you guys got to pick up the energy and then switching it up mid-practice. I don't know. CJ! How do you think you guys responded to the music? To the to the bad music. How do you think y'all responded? Like, uh, mood change? Yeah. Uh -huh. A little bit. I saw people uh, jumping around. But for the most part, it was the same. Same? This. 
There it goes, for him. The same, it's what we want. We don't want the mood and the music to affect how we practice. You enjoying yourself? Oh, I love this. I wake up every day firing up. Like, I love this. This is what I, I, I love it. Nothing, it. nothing I'd rather do. What's it like working with the defense? I mean, teaching them why, why offense does what. Like, that, that's the key. Like, everything I think about offense is from a defensive mentality. I learned offense through defense, right? I think that's what, I mean, good coordinators do, right, is they understand defense at such a high level that it helps them understand how to take, take advantage of the defense. So I want to educate the defense on why we're doing certain things, why we're lining up in FIB, why we're lining up in bunches, why we're cutting splits in the low red zone, what the purpose of that is so they can, one, play physical, but combine that with playing smart. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That's uh, Kenny Dillingham after practice, and that's uh, everything I, I have. And I just, I can't say it enough. I, I think he is going to be so fantastic. We'll see what happens, actually. But he just, he's, he's always commanding the room. He's always, much like Jonathan Gannon, uh, commanding the room and 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 pumped and excited. Well, JG is a little bit more even tone and even keel. Where, uh, um, and he's high energy, you know. Um, and, and sometimes, but his answers are kind of more even tone and even keel. But uh, Kenny Dillingham, he is high, strong, high energy, all day, every day, and uh, uh, it's good to have someone out there that loves what he does, as as he said. And um, you know, it's 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 just been really, really good and really cool, um, to to hear, um. And then, uh, you know, the comment about him saying that uh, yesterday's practice was the best by far for, for the quarterbacks. And he didn't really say best by far for overall. I think overall was uh, Wednesday's practice. But yesterday's practice, best by far for the quarterbacks because their confidence and their ability to, to make the right reads. And that is absolutely uh, so huge. So yeah, again, still, you know, still need to work on some things, but seeing that, uh, that progress, uh, well, uh, that is, uh, everything I have on them, everything I have on the show. Uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, listening as always. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's good. I, and I thank you guys for interacting. Please feel free to do that any way and every way you can. Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com is one. At Big Sky Sports Talk for Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and, and uh, YouTube. You can send a direct message. You can comment on something. That, that's perfectly fine. However you want to do it is up to you, and I appreciate you guys uh, doing that. Um, and uh, I feel like I'm getting, you know, still slowly getting more and more people listening. It, it's trickling in. Very, very light trickle. Um, you know, uh, so I, I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, if you're doing that, you know, word of mouth or, uh, what have you, I, I thank you for anything and everything you guys do. Listening is, is the most important, uh, what I like you guys to sh- like comment and, uh, and share and follow absolutely. But, um, if all you can do is give a couple minutes and listening or even a couple seconds, that is that is solid enough for me. Um, there's plenty of ways to listen. You have uh, you have um, Spotify, Apple, Google, um, 
Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Stitcher. Uh, we are anywhere and everywhere, pretty much. Um, so plenty of options to, to listen to the show. Please hit that notification um, bell. Uh, and uh, that way you're reminded of, of the show and you, you can listen to it um, at your convenience, but you know about it. And then you can share it, share the episodes, put them on Facebook, get the help get the word out there that way. Tell your friends, your family, your neighbors, your enemies about the show. Um, and and just, uh, just be uh, a solid person to do that. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Um, I'm, I'm excited for mine. And so... I will uh, hopefully, Lord willing, talk to you on Monday. Thanks again.